2: Sunny skies today, high of 84. Clear tonight, overnight low of 62. Sunny and warmer tomorrow with a high of 86. More the same Monday, high of 84. Sunny and warmer Tuesday, high of 87. Chance of rain coming Tuesday night into Wednesday. Thunderstorms possible Thursday and next Friday. Right now, fair sky, 63 degrees at WCCOradio.com. That's the latest from the WCCO Newsroom. I'm Al Shock, News Talk 830, WCCO. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined from the University of Minnesota, Julie Weisenhorn, who's going to answer all those questions via text. <laughs> the pressure's anytime,
3: on. Anytime. Anytime for you.
2: No, thank you so much, Julie. The pressure's on. Yes. a uh, Text only, please. It's 651 989 651 for your text questions, and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that we get jam-packed with, uh, with questions. So don't wait. Send Julie your text as, as soon as, uh, as you can. Again, 651 well, 989 What's your week been like at your garden, Julie?
3: Oh, boy. It's been uh, continuing to water as needed and also uh You know, just actually things are looking pretty good. We had a little bit of rain out here, I think about three-quarters of an inch total. And uh, so things are kind of hanging in there. I've got a lot of drought-tolerant plants. That's helpful. And uh, I've been doing a lot of mulching with leaves, as I've mentioned earlier on the show before. And I think that's really helped quite a bit to hold in some of the moisture.
2: I saw you on Channel 4, was it last week? I think it was or so. Yeah, yeah, that was great, a, a great, great, great shot, as we say, a live shot, and Thank uh, you. and that was your That was your your own property, right?
3: That was my own garden in in uh, the front yard
2: area. Yes, G- gorgeous! Wow, just beautiful. Thank you. Um, I was I'm looking at all these text messages that are coming in. <laughs> oh, here, here's an interesting one, uh, Julie. Uh, It says, good morning, my tomatoes are starting to ripen. If I pick the red ones now but don't have enough to can, is there any way to slow down the ripening process?
3: No, there isn't. Uh, It will continue to ripen somewhat as it sits on the counter, mostly starting to get a little too ripe probably. Um, I know that some people do freeze tomatoes. I've done that before. And uh, so if you can't can them, uh, or can't, you know, it's going to be a while, you could also toss them into a um, a sealed bag, like a Ziploc type bag in the freezer. And then when you go to use them, say you want to throw some whole tomatoes into some chili or some sauce, you can just run them under warm water and, uh, and split that uh, skin right off. My friend Zoe Eckblad out at uh, Lake Minnetonka Shores was the one who gave me that clue about uh, running them under the water to get the skin off, and then just toss the whole tomato or chop it up and throw it in your sauce. So you could do that too if you're kind of you got a handful of them and it's going to be a while and can't can them.
2: Well, that's a good idea. I never know, knew that you could uh, yeah. freeze freeze them. Wow, I may have to yes. try that. I had Actually, a good crop there, a good crop this year, so I may have to try that. Uh, that's let's great. see. Uh, Here's another text that says, I have lots of grub damage and will need to reseed spots this fall in a full sun uh, area. How do I determine what seed to use or can I rely on any sunny blend sold in stores?
3: Well, the quality of the seed is important. So buying fresh seed is your best bet to getting very viable seed. If If you have some old grass seed, uh, you know, it's a few years old. It's been stored in the garage. Uh, probably good to get some new seed this year. And uh, and so you can just choose a, a seed that's appropriate to your condition. So this person has a sunny spot. That's easy because our grasses like full sun. And uh, you can choose a sunny mix. I would look for uh, a fairly good amount of fine fescue and uh, different kinds of fine fescue. So that's a red creeping fescue, chewings fescue, uh, et cetera. And and look for that because fescue is uh, very nutrient, uh, doesn't depend on a lot of nutrients. It's drought resistant. It also tolerates a little bit of shade as well as sun and uh, kind of a good all-around tough turf grass. So that's a good grass to mix in with your typical Kentucky bluegrass.
2: Are there, this may seem like a simple, silly question, but are there grass seeds that are just annual?
3: There are. There's annual ah, rye grass. And okay. you're going to see that as kind of, it's kind of what they call a nurse seed. In other words, it comes up really fast because it's annual and it will look great, but it won't live past the season. So it's essentially coming up while the rest of the seed, the perennial seed, is germinating and growing a little bit slower than the annual grass. But if you go and find some uh, uh, annual ryegrass, and let's say you threw it into a spot on your lawn, that, lawn will, that spot will be dead next year because it's an annual grass seed. It's kind of like the opening act for the real stuff. <laughs> That's right. And it also has a different color. It's kind of a bluish oh, color.
2: Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, all right. Please help, this text says. My magnolia bush has magnolia scale. Oh. Can, it, can it be treated? If so, how? And thank you for your great program. Well, thanks for that.
3: Yeah, thanks for that. Magnolia scale, I've, I've had a number of questions about that, and I know some of the master gardeners have too. It is a very, t- scale in general is a very tough insect to get rid of, I think, for homeowners. It requires a systemic uh, or some really serious um, dedicated spraying of that plant, and it 's very hard on magnolias because they're large large you know tree shrub type plants, and that scale has a covering over it over the actual insect that is sucking on the plant, and so that covering is kind of protective, and so it 's hard you 're not if you spray directly on it it 's not going to spray the insect directly. We recommend things like horticultural oil and insecticidal soap that will slide underneath that covering and then suffocate that insect. But like horticultural oil and insecticidal soap that will slide underneath that covering and then suffocate that insect. But it's tough. It's difficult because that's always kind of, uh, you can't be guaranteed that it always happens. And so people lean to a systemic pesticide, and a systemic pesticide is drenched in the soil. Sometimes they're injected into plants too, and uh, and that plant will the plant will take up that uh, systemic pesticide through its roots, and it will transfer it throughout the tree or the shrub, and then the insect, as they suck on and feed on that plant, they will consume the pesticide and die. But a lot of times this has to be applied by a professional licensed pesticide applicator. So if you are really determined to save the magnolia scale, or save the magnolia, not the scale, uh, then you'd want to contact a certified arborist to come in and treat that plant. Sometimes you can also just cut off a branch. If it's all confined to one branch and you've caught it really early, you can do that too. But I would contact a certified arborist, and we have a lot of really good ones here in Minnesota that you can contact.
2: Yeah, we really do. Uh, speaking of trimming, uh, this next text, actually a couple of questions. It says, a walnut tree and silver maple are uh, rubbing on the roof. Is it okay to cut now or wait until winter? Also, same kind of question with uh, the lower branches on a pine tree uh, do it, that, that run into the mower. C- cut them down or wait till winter?
3: Um, I, this year I would wait until winter if possible just because these plants have been under such drought stress. And pruning right now can be really hard on them. So uh, I, I unless it's something that it's rubbing on the roof and, and, boy, it's damaging your roof, then I would go ahead and do the pruning. But for the pine tree, I would just wait and, uh, and do your pruning in the winter. Okay.
2: I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break here, and we have uh, many more text messages to to answer here this morning. If you're just okay. joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is helping you out today on our Smart Garden Show And our number, the text number is 651-989-9226. We'll be back with more. Let's see the current temperature in the Twin Cities. Well, we moved to 61 degrees. We are heading for 85 today, 86 tomorrow. Stay with us on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO Radio every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. If you have a lawn or garden type of question, send it via text today. And we hope, Julie Weisenhorn, that next week we'll even be able to get uh, phone calls here in, <laughs> here in 2021. Yeah, you know? I'm missing
1: the voices. <laughs> yeah, we'll
2: do that. And again, I'll, the, the whole teams are working on that right Go now.
1: Team.
2: Yeah. So uh, we'll stay positive here. All right, and we have plenty of text messages to keep you busy for sure. Six okay. five six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Here's one. Uh, good morning, Julie. It says a large area of my yard did not survive the intense drought and heat this summer. I'm planning to replant soon. Questions I have one. Uh, I put uh, crabgrass preventer down in mid May. Is that a problem? And secondly. <laughs> Should I rent a dethatcher thatcher slit-seeder to get the grass seed in contact with the soil? And three, is it still too warm to start this project?
1: Well, let's see. The first question about pre-emergent is, no, it's not going to matter next spring. Uh, that pre-emergent should have exhausted itself by now. Um, so that's not a worry. Um, the second one about the, um, the slit-seeder... And I I think what I would do is I would follow our recommendations for dormant seeding and, and for seeding in the fall, you can choose to do one or I think if you did both, it would be almost too much seed. And that can also prevent good germination is when you have too much grass seed in one area. So you could start renovating probably Um, let's see, it's August, uh, 14th, maybe, uh, start thinking about it in the next few weeks and, uh, go ahead and start seeding. You don't need to rent a slit seeder. Uh, you don't need to rent a dethatch thatch thatch is actually something we don't see a lot in Minnesota. Uh, we just, our grasses break down quickly or more quickly rather than building up. And so I don't think you need to worry about either of those. What you want to do is uh, is cut your lawn down uh, a little bit shorter. And actually, it's probably pretty darn short now. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe do some raking, and then do some seeding. And then you need to keep it watered. Now that's going to be the trick because if you still have watering restrictions in place, you'll need to talk to your city or your municipality and find out. Uh, you know, is it okay to start a lawn now? If, if they say no, uh, we still can't uh, allow that because of our water, you know, the amounts of our wells or, or the levels of our wells, then you want to do dormant seeding. Dormant seeding is in mid-November. And at that point, you mow your lawn one more time, which you may or may not need to do in those areas. And then you set down seed, and it sa- it stays there ungerminated over the winter. And then in the spring, when moisture and temperatures are right, it will start to germinate. So that might you might have to just kind of see which way it works in the area that you live, uh, and that water restriction is probably going to be the biggest issue.
2: Oh, for sure. And and, and uh, Julie, the uh, you guys on, on your website, the U of M website, have uh, you can find a whole lot of lawn information there, right?
1: Absolutely. That's extension.umn.edu, and you can go down to our lawns and landscaping section on yard and garden.
2: Okay. This listener says, Julie, can I trim all the dead leaves from a hosta? The weather has dried them up despite me watering them.
1: Absolutely. You can trim those right off.
2: All right. Very good. 651-989-9226 for your text questions for Julie. Uh, Here's one. It says, I have three 10 by 10 garden plots that I use for various vegetables. I'm thinking of letting two of them lie fallow next year. Any suggestions for a cover crop to help the soil and should it be planted in the fall or early spring?
1: Boy, cover crops are new to me. I know that uh, some of my colleagues who work with small farms do a lot of work with cover crops. We have an excellent web page on cover crops. And I would say to take a look at that. Most of the time, uh, the cover crops that I have been involved with, we've seeded in the spring and let them grow for about, uh, I want to say, I don't know, a couple, a week, a month or so. And then we've tilled them in and let them decompose for a month in the soil before seeding and before planting. But take a look at that website. I can't, I'm not going to say that for certain, but take a look at the webpage on cover crops and that will give you the information. And if you if you need, if you have more questions about it, you could certainly send a question to Ask Extension and our Master Gardeners will uh, will get in touch and and uh, help you walk through that.
2: Okay, very good, great website. Uh, because of the drought, my yard is full of quack grass and other oh. weird viney plants, Texture <laughs> says. Do I have to pull all of them out or can I treat them with something so they don't take over the yard completely?
1: Well, you've got two different kinds of plants there. You've got quack grass, which is a grass, and you have vining plants, which are broadleaf plants. So you would have to treat them uh, individually with a, an appropriate herbicide. If you use a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate or something or triclopyr, you can use that as well. And that will kill anything it touches. So it will kill also any, any good, you know, healthy grass plants as well. But you can spot treat those. Uh, quackgrass is odd because it's a perennial grass. And after you mow your lawn, it grows back faster. So you see a height difference. You see the quackgrass is taller than your regular lawn grasses. So you can identify it that way. And then, of course, the broadleaf plants are easier to identify. So you can, if you can spot treat, that would be great. And you can get that pesticide right where it needs to be. Uh, or you can go ahead and, and pull some of them and then reseed in those places. Okay.
2: Another tomato question, options. Julie. It says, huge plants, small fruit, a few of the large tomatoes are deformed. What's going on there?
1: Oh, we have had a lot of issues with uh, fruiting this year, and it's been due to the weather. The heat and the drought have affected things like flower production, uh, pollinator activity, and tomatoes are one of those plants that, that – Every year we have people who have issues with tomatoes. Um, being a popular fruit, they're really quite difficult to grow really well. Sometimes I think so. Um, the deformities are due to could be due to poor pollination. They could also be due to uh, conditions such as blossom end rot, where it's been uh, irregular watering. The soil has not been consistently moist. And, uh, and the plants themselves look great because you may be using a a high nitrogen fertilizer and that high nitrogen fertilizer is, is basically producing really great foliage and it doesn't really affect the fruit that much. So, um, that could be why the fruit's smaller. I think it has to do with the heat and the, and, uh, the drought that we've had more than the, uh, more than the fertilizing.
2: Okay. Tell you what let's do, Julie. Let's take a break and look at that forecast, see if we're going to finally get uh, some more rain. And we have another half hour of the show to go. It's called Smart Garden here on CCR Radio every uh, Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Your text message is at 651-989-9226. Good morning, if you're just joining us. Welcome to our Smart Garden Show on CCO Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering your questions via text today at 651-989-9226. Uh, we were talk- <laughs> you and I were talking off air <laughs> about the, the website, and for those new to the show, really, I urge you, just check it out. There's so much great information on that, uh, extension.umn.edu. What else can we find on there?
1: Well, one of the things that I'd recommend for any Minnesota gardener is to subscribe to our Yard and Garden News. So this comes out every couple of weeks, and it has uh, articles about current situations that we are seeing in our landscapes. So, for example, uh, our August 11th issue, we have an article called Watering the Yard and Garden in Extreme Drought. So we see a lot of that, and, and there are some really good tips about uh, about watering and choosing what to water and prioritizing your watering as well. Um, our new one of our newest extension educators, uh, Marissa Shu, has written a couple of really awesome articles. I tell you, I learn everything from uh, the people I work with. They're just just brilliant. Um, one of them is called. Uh, uh, Avoiding, or I'm sorry, it's called, I'm looking for it here, Heat Wave Makes Vegetables Misbehave. So we've been talking about tomatoes and uh, other fruits and vegetables. And, uh, and it's a great article about why we've had trouble in this heat wave with getting cucumbers that look normal, tomatoes that uh, actually are fruiting, etc. So uh, take a look at that. Great article. Um, there's good information on pests and how, how the heat has affected pests, meaning insect pests and diseases. So lots of great information. Um, our, one of our latest uh, articles is on purslane. Purslane is what we would consider to be a weed, but it actually is uh, something that's edible. And, um, and so take a look at that one. And also on using soap in the garden. So uh, that's insecticidal soap as well as homemade soap uh, as a remedy for insects. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, talking about scale on that magnolia. Yeah, so, so great information.
2: Yep, check it out, extension.umn.edu, and we'll talk more about that every show we, uh, we get the chance. All right, we might as well do this now, Julie. It says, how, how do you get rid of Creeping Charlie in the lawn?
1: <laughs> All right, so Creeping Charlie is a perennial weed, and the best time to treat Creeping Charlie is in the fall. And the reason for that is the season is coming to an end, and the plant is prompted to put all its energy into its root system. So it's translocating energy through its uh, photosynthesis into its roots. It does the same thing when you treat it, when you spray it. It's also going to translocate that herbicide into its roots and kill it. So fall is the best time to treat perennial weeds like Creeping Charlie. Okay.
2: Okay. This listener, by the way, if you want to send a text, 651-989-9226, says this, Can I save dahlia and glad bulbs that I did not get planted this year so that I can plant them next year? But if not, any suggestions of what to do with them now?
1: Uh, I believe you can save them if they are in good condition, if they're not moldy, if they haven't shriveled up, if they're not dried up. Uh, I think you could continue to save them, and it sounds like you've saved them now through the year, so I would do the same going into winter. Uh, uh, It never hurts to try anyway. If they are completely decimated, if they're dry, if they're crumbly, uh, if they're shriveled up, then just throw them right in the compost heap.
2: Okay. This listener wants to know, can I cut out dead branches from my apple tree right now?
1: No, this is not a good time to prune any of our major trees or shrubs. Uh, the heat has been very hard on them. They've been under a lot of stress. They still are in a lot of parts of the state. I think I read on Mark Seely's weather talk that 42% of our state is still in an extreme to exceptional drought. This is really not a good time to be pruning those major woody plants. So just hold off. Uh, that being said, this is not the time to prune apple trees, even if we weren't in a drought. You want to wait until winter to do that. So uh, once the plants all go dormant this winter, then it's a good time to start doing some pruning.
2: Okay, very good. This might uh, this question might be uh, a good one for somebody to, to browse through the website. Are there any deciduous shrubs that grow well in partial or full shade, shrubs that can grow up to 12 to 15 feet high?
1: We have a number of great resources, you're right, Denny, on the website. One is our Plant Elements of Design database. So this is a database of roughly 2,800 woody and herbaceous plants. You can enter in the conditions such as part shade and how tall the maximum height for that plant and see what plants come up uh, in the database. And then you can also look at recommended trees uh, and shrubs that we have on our tree and shrub section. So there's a number of different options there for you to take a look at. All right,
2: good. This uh, listener says, bees are hiving at the bottom of my compost pile. What should I do?
1: Well, if you can just leave them, that would be great. Uh, And I would also be sure that you're identifying them as either yellow jackets or bees. A lot of people will just call uh, anything with black and yellow stripes a bee. But if you can determine if they are a yellow jacket, Uh, then I would stay far away from them. They are aggressive, and if they've built a nest in there, they will uh, anticipate that you're, uh, you know, they'll think that you're attacking their nest, and that's when you get stung. If they're bumblebees, for example, uh, then they're going to be pretty placid. They're really more interested in foraging for nectar and pollen right now, but I would still just Stay away from it. Um, if they are yellow jackets, you could treat your compost pile. And you can use a foaming pesticide for that. And, and I had that issue in my compost bin last year. And I had to foam in that bin uh, to, uh, to kill that nest. The good news is, is that that nest will not be there next year. The, the hornets and wasps do not use their nests two years in a row. Oh, so
2: that's
1: good. Once they're gone, they're gone. Treat at night, though. And we do have a good page on wasps that includes how to do that.
2: Then we have a little thing called winter that helps too. And
1: then winter helps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Only the Queens will overwinter.
2: Ah, interesting. Uh, this listener says I have an uh, autumn blaze maple planted earlier this year. It has grown and has leaves from near the ground to the top of the tree. Can those lower leaves be taken off without harming the tree?
1: Uh, it, you know, I think personally what I would do is just let it go for this season because those leaves are photosynthesizing and, and, uh, producing uh, energy for the plant. And because it's such a young tree, um, I think I would just hold off. I'm curious as to why they're growing at the base of the tree. I wonder if the tree was planted too deeply. Um, you should be able to see the, the major roots, uh, the root flare, it's called, at the soil surface. Um, but I would hold off and just let and just let it be for now and then as soon as the leaves have dropped off then you could go ahead and prune those uh those off. I'm I'm wondering why they're actually growing at the base of the plant. Yeah. And if you had it professionally planted, you might want to contact that that tree care service and ask them what to do about it.
2: Good point. We we're talking about freezing tomatoes. This listener says uh, I learned to put the tomatoes on a cookie sheet in a single layer to freeze, then put them in a bag. They don't stick to each other and easier to work with.
1: Perfect. And that's a great tip for berries, too, like raspberries and blueberries. And they, don't, they don't all mash together.
2: Good point. Thank you for that. Yeah. Are Japanese beetles, this listener wants to know, hanging around longer this year or is it my imagination?
1: No, they're, they're around about the same amount of time so far. Um, I've actually seen less Japanese beetles, fewer Japanese beetles this year. Um, and they're smaller. So that makes me wonder. We had such a dry spring and dry early part of the summer when the grubs were, you know, developing. And I, 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 I'm kind of crossing my fingers that that was a good thing. But, you know, that it made the site, made the conditions less favorable for the Japanese beetle grubs. So um, I think it might be your imagination, but they do hang around into August.
2: Okay. Uh, this listener says uh, my one hundred year old Christmas cactus is slowly dying, drying <laughs> oh, no. up and falling off. Where, where there is only about one percent of it left, could that be oh. a fungus?
1: Well, a hundred year old Christmas cactus is a very old plant. Um, I don't, I don't think it would be a fungus. Um, sometimes Christmas cacti get overwatered. watered um, What I would do is, is, with the remainder of the plant, is I would take a couple cuttings and start those cuttings. So the sections of a Christmas cactus branch are called cladophylls, and you want to take about three of those and cut them off with a nice, clean, sharp knife right at the base, and, uh, and then touch that tip of that cut in some root tone. This is called, it's a rooting hormone that you can buy at a garden center. It's a powder touch it in there, and then put it into maybe some damp sand. That works really well. And those uh, roots will develop at that cut point, and then you can continue the plant on a smaller scale uh, going into its next life. So um, if you really want to save that plant, then I I would do some cuttings.
2: Okay. My young sugar maple tree trunk is forked, so says this listener, should I cut one of them off?
1: Uh yes, ideally you should and you can check check out our pruning trees and shrubs webpage for some diagrams on how to do that. Um I would again wait until the temperature cools down more consistently and uh maybe we get some more rainfall. Uh you might want to do this in the winter and I it's just been a hard summer on these trees and shrubs and they really do need uh, some extra care. And, and we have a a publication also that a link to a publication on our yard and garden news about holding off on pruning trees and shrubs right now because of the stress that they've been under. So if you can wait till winter, that would be great. And sounds like you could on this case.
2: Speaking of that, in the stress, uh, this uh, question says, will the drought we have going on affect tapping maple trees next spring? And could tapping put extra stress on the trees?
1: Boy, that is not my area right. of expertise. I don't know. But thinking through this, I would say no, because the sap is going to run regardless. Um, it's a matter of the right weather conditions that produces more or less sap, not necessarily probably the health of the tree. If you've got healthy trees, if they look great, uh, they've been you know making it through this heat, it should be okay there. I don't think that, it's going, maybe it would be a more concentrated sugar. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's people who tap maples might know better than me on that sure.
2: one. Somebody's looking ahead here. Yeah, um, a nine bark question looks like it has mold up on the branches. What should I do?
1: That could be powdery mildew, and some nine bark are susceptible to that, and there's really nothing to do about that. So, if you can send a photo to ask extension. Uh, You can go to our website and go down to uh, Ask Master Gardener, and they will uh, take a look at that picture and tell you if it's powdery mildew. There's nothing to do about powdery mildew on uh, Ask Master Gardener, and they will uh, take a look at that picture and tell you if it's powdery mildew. There's nothing to do about powdery mildew, uh, but if it truly is something else on the branches, they can take a look at that and see if they can diagnose it for you.
2: Very good. Julie, hang on. We're going to take a, a quick break, be right back with more of our Smart Garden Show. Uh, Around every Saturday here in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, 61 now here in the Twin Cities, heading uh, to near 85, maybe 86 tomorrow. Stay with us here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Danny Long here along with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie, another tomato question. <laughs> I am growing heirloom tomatoes and they are splitting. Is there any way to stop that?
1: Normally I would say too much water <laughs> has been causing the splitting. Um, but some of it, I wonder too if it's from like a sun like too much like the heat from the sun, mm. that I I'm not sure. Anybody who's growing tomatoes out there, um, I know that uh, that too much water can cause the splitting. But that unless these are in a container and they've been like really really wet over and over, um, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm stumped on that one. But there's I'm not sure there's anything to do at this point because we're so late in yeah. the season. But uh, I think growing tomatoes is a real art. I admit I am not very good at tomatoes. I grow cherry tomatoes, is about it. But uh, people who grow really like a prize-winning tomato, I think they're artists in the garden because they're. It's it's a tricky plant to grow really really well consistently.
2: Yes. I think consistently that's the key word too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's another. Speaking of vegetables, uh, this texture has four raised beds, good soil, two feet by four by four. Things are growing, not productive. Only got one cucumber so far. Vines are great. Tons of flowers. Is it just the drought causing this?
1: Oh, I'm glad they asked this question because I can refer back to my uh, colleague Marissa Shoes article on weird vegetables. So uh, cucumbers have male and female flowers. And in this heat that we've had, the plant will produce more male flowers than female flowers. So you can have a bunch of bees around there, but if you only have a few female flowers... Uh, you are not going to get a lot of fruit. Top it off with the fact that the plant will drop its flowers when it's under a lot of stress, which our plants have been, uh, from the heat and the drought. So you're not going to get very much fruit at all. And then if you have irregular or uh, poor pollination, you can get weird-shaped fruits like curving fruits and baseball-shaped fruits and fruits with little ends on them uh i've had cucumbers this year where all the spines are really tightly packed together on the plant just really strange the cucumbers are great once i scrub off the spines and everything the cucumbers are delicious but i would never buy one of these in a store if i saw it (laughs) they're just too weird looking so um so lots of reasons for not a lot of fruit this year especially on things like cucumbers
2: Found a couple of our cucumbers in the front yard that were a little bit chewed up. Oh. I would imagine Mr. Squirrel has had
1: uh, I imagine so. Some veggies. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, here's one. It says, I need to replant my small window box. It's in the sun. Can you recommend some colorful flowers to use at this time of year?
1: I am a fan of mums. I have always loved mums, and we have... A huge variety of mums that you can use. There's also great uh, aster-type flowers. So these are flowers like, um, oh, like daisy type. That that kind of a form, and those are great to use. Um, a lot of garden centers have 50% off now. Kale, ornamental kale, is always interesting uh, if you want something that's really resilient to the cold. Um, so, lots of good options out there. I'm a fan of mums. I, I think mums are great and they look wonderful in window boxes. And good
2: suggestion. All right. Uh, good morning. This texture says I also want to trim some birch branches that are hanging nearly down to the patio floor. Wondering if I should also wait for later in the season to do so. Also, I do not intend to cut them all the way back to the trunk. I just want to cut the partial branch. Is that okay?
1: I think that's okay. If you just trim it back to uh, get it off the off the patio, I think that would be fine.
2: Okay, uh, magnolia scale. This person has oh, also have have research publications from Ohio State and Wisconsin, both of which are good. The publication uh, from Minnesota uh, needs I can't read that. <laughs> the recommendations from these publications are to spray the insecticide once the crawlies appear, the last week of August or early September. And uh, what do you think about that, Julie? Do you have any comment on that?
1: Well, our colleagues around the nation and extension are terrific resources, and we certainly all share each other's information. So I'm glad that the listener is researching it and going to really, really you know, reputable publications like Ohio State and Wisconsin. So that's great. Um, yeah, it's, you, the problem with spraying when the crawlers are out is oftentimes homeowners don't know that. They either are not watching daily now that maybe this person is, which is wonderful, um, and good for you. But a lot of people aren't, so we usually refer people to a certified arborist because they are going to know the timing better than a homeowner would. Okay. But yes, that is the. I agree with what they're saying, um, and uh, I don't have our publication up in front of me, but um, yes, that would. I totally stand behind the Ohio State and Wisconsin recommendations. They have the same issues that we do. So like I said, we utilize each other's work.
2: This listener says, I recently received hollyhock seeds. Should I keep them until next spring to plant or do it now? Also, should I start them out in seeding pots or just put them directly in the ground?
1: I think that I would save them. And you can save them in a glass jar. Make sure they're dry. There's no moisture on them. Uh, and put them into the refrigerator. Uh, I would save them, and I would start them indoors next year so that you have some small transplants to put out in the garden give you a head start.
2: Okay. This uh, listener sent a text that said, Can I cut my peony bushes now they're covered in mildew and drying?
1: Yes, you can. You can cut them down. Uh, they're probably starting to wilt quite a bit, so yes, you can do that, and you can just compost that uh, those cuttings.
2: Another one just came in. It says, my mom's potted gardenia won't bloom. It's been, uh, it has been fertilized once. It has some yellow leaves, too. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Help me.
1: <laughs> um, depending on the plant, it may need to be repotted. If it's an older plant or if it's a new plant, uh, it might be a little bit pot bound. That might be one thing. Um, you might want to check the fertilizer that you've been using and want to bump up or choose a fertilizer with a higher middle number. That's the phosphorus number. That is usually, that will promote more bloom. You want to check also, gardenias are notorious for uh, insect issues like spider mites, and the yellowing leaves makes me wonder if it may have a mite. Uh, they attack the buds primarily and the newer growth. So uh, one easy way to do that is take it outside and spray it with a fine mist of water. And all the webbing, if there's any webbing, it will show up at that point. Then you want to treat the plant for spider mites.
2: Julie, we've got about a minute or so to go. That's wow. it. You know, we, we didn't mention more than uh, once. We should talk about the, uh, the uh, uh, arboretum just for 30 oh, seconds yes. or so.
1: Yeah, so the arboretum is great to visit right now. And, uh, and you can call for a reservation and, or make a reservation online. Uh, if you are a member, it's, of course, free. And uh, uh, if you are not, you should be. So uh, come out and see it. It's beautiful. Uh, the grass doesn't look so great, but, boy, the plants are blooming like crazy, and the trees look beautiful. So
2: How do we get there?
1: Uh, you go out Highway 5 west and uh, go to uh, the intersection of 41, And just west of that, on Highway 5, is the entrance. You can go on arb.umn.edu to make that reservation. Excellent.
2: Julie, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your help. And uh, we'll talk soon, I know, and the State Fair is coming up.
1: I know. We'll see you soon.
2: All right, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. By the way, get those deck and porch questions ready. Luke Panic fills in for Andy Lindis uh, next hour here on CCO on our Home Improvement Show. So deck questions, you want to build one, you want to clean one? Uh, maintain it. Whatever your question may be, Luke Panic. Next hour here on CCO. We look for a high today here in the Twin Cities near 85 degrees. Lots of sunshine right now. Skies are fair, and our current WCCO temperature reading 61 degrees in the Twin Cities.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue.